At this time, Miss Jordan Love is going to bring our special.
beautiful song. Did a beautiful job, Jordan. Thank you so very much. On the trip of a lifetime is what I'm going to be speaking about concerning this morning. A trip of a lifetime. Um, we'll be looking at Matthew chapter two. And we'll just read a couple of the verses there. Would you please stand for the reading of God's holy word? Matthew chapter 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to preach your holy word. And I thank you that we are also here to worship him. May it be about Jesus this morning. May it always be about Him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Think about it. I've heard many times the going on a trip of a lifetime. I, I, need, uh, I need you to uh, say a prayer this, this, not only today, but also this afternoon. And that is, uh, I'm praying for not only the the Canard family, but uh, you know we've got a, a, a lengthy service, uh, several songs, a poem. I need you to pray that uh, number one, I've always preached Jesus at every funeral that I've ever preached. Uh, matter of fact, and, and and gotten in trouble for it too, and uh, before. And that I shouldn't be so evangelistic uh, during uh, a funeral service. But if uh, if I can't preach Jesus, uh, don't ask me to preach. And uh, so, but just I'm praying that if there's anybody that's lost in the service this afternoon, would you say a popcorn prayer, short prayer, five-minute prayer, or pray an hour if you'd like, uh, that... If there's anybody lost, that they'd come to know Jesus as their Savior, and they'd hear the gospel. I plan on presenting the gospel in a very brief amount of time. So just pray to that end, that the Holy Spirit would have free course, free Word of God. So thank you for your prayers. I've uh, many times I've talked about going on the trip of a lifetime. I heard one time, matter of fact, Karen and I, the very first time we went to Disney World, I thought that was a a trip of a lifetime. Well, it was a trip of a lifetime because generally, and I only plan on having one honeymoon. Now you can have a a second honeymoon trip, but there's only the there's only one first one, okay? And uh, there's only one first time. You know, well, we went on that trip to Disney World and and. Uh, and I said, boy, this is, Karen, this is a trip of a lifetime. And it was the first time I ever flew on a commercial jet. And uh, we went out to Orlando and had a, uh, a great time. 
And But it, then again, later on, when Taylor was born, she was four years old, they planned another trip, so we went again. So it really wasn't the trip of a lifetime, because the trip of a lifetime is something usually you only do once. And uh, But if you're saved this morning, you began a trip of a lifetime when you asked Jesus Christ into your heart. And it began a journey. Now, you could call this a journey of a lifetime. And we only have a just a little while to serve God. Matter of fact, after visiting with the family yesterday and making the, the order of service for today and going over it with Miss uh, Donna and Miss uh, Tammy, that, you know, and I, and I came back and I was talking to Karen about, uh, you know, how, how much longer do we have to serve the Lord together? It seems like Obviously, many of you know this, the older you get, the faster life goes by. And this journey, this trip of a lifetime to serve the Lord together, the Bible says that marriage is for this life and she's my companion and God has given her to me and we've served the Lord together and we've been blessed together almost a quarter of a century and and if we're blessed for another quarter of a century, it'd be great. Many of you have had that half of a century mark and, and been married for a long time. And it flies by it's just that the Bible wasn't lying when it said life is like a vapor. And it just, boom, it just flies by. And it's before we realize that it, it's been 20 years and, so, and it's flown by. So we have here, and I just want to take this journey of these wise men and talk about the journey that they made. The preparation, back in verse 1, it says, uh, There came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now, there's been a lot of supposition about, you know, who were these guys? They were probably from the Persian uh, area back over there toward Iraq or Iran and that area. Uh, They were probably, some have said, called them magi which has to do with astrology and uh, or astronomy and studying the stars and and very intelligent guys. They, matter of fact, it says as they we've seen a star uh, in the east and are come to worship him. So they had been watching the signs. The Bible does talk about stars, and and they knew a lot of the prophecies concerning Jesus. They were looking for Jesus. You know, and as we make preparation in this life, and I think about, man, think about that. They, They got ready for a journey. Well, how many of us are, you know, have packed a gazillion times to go on a trip? And you, whether you're packing you and your wife or whether you're packing for yourself or whether you're packing for your family or your kids, you know that there's all, you know, and we have a routine. And boy, we can, and I've seen some people that they know how to pack a car. Man, they can take a turtle hull. Some of these young people don't know what that is, but, and uh, you can take that thing and, and you can fit, you can no telling how much I was surprised the very first time I saw Karen's daddy uh, take that, uh, turtle hole that that trunk back there and and we had two tons of luggage he said i got this son learn from the best and he took that two tons of, i'm from texas so i exaggerate and uh, he put it inside there and uh the back of that car and and put it all in and every nook and cranny was taken up imagine these guys 
Now, how long was this trip? Now, some say it was half a year, a year long. You know, if they, especially if they, they didn't go right across the desert. They had to come by the water. But the trade route back then was up through by the Tigris and Euphrates River and then over across, over down the Jordan River. And they'd come on down and they finally found him. And they, they were in the area, so they stopped by the local government agency. And the local government agency at that particular time was Herod. And Herod the Great, and he's the one, of course, if you read on down, I think it's verse 16, it says that he went out and slaughtered the kids and fulfilled the prophecy that Jeremiah spoke about, that in Ramah there would be a great weeping. And think about it, he killed all those babies in that whole area, in that whole Bethlehem area, two years old and down. So they're on a journey of a lifetime. Think about how they packed those camels down and packed those donkeys down. And, and they got everything just right for this trip of a lifetime. There's one chance to see. And they believed it was the Messiah. I think these guys were saved. They were born again. We come to see the King of the Jews. The, I mean, we've been studying Scripture. And guess what? God had given them the wisdom they needed for this trip. Now, you and I, if you're saved, you've begun the trip of a lifetime. Not only in this life, but in the life to come. There's a neat passage of Scripture in John chapter 11 and verse 25. This is talking about the time that he raised Lazarus from the dead. Martha said unto him, or Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Verse 26 says, And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Now this is, of course, talking about uh, uh, these... Uh, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you won't die the second death. Well, in our text, it says here, they stopped by Herod. And I, and I put in here about asking for directions uh, in your bulletin. And, you know, these weren't, these guys must have been humble guys because real, they must have been real humble guys because real men don't stop and ask for directions. No, we don't. The wife saying, pull over at the nearest gas station. Remember that? Now we don't do that. We just have, we've got phones and GPSs. And let me ask you this. Has your phone or GPS ever lied to you? Hmm? You know, so it turned here. Well, it turned you down a dead end street or something like And people that come to promised land, they always say, give me your address, preacher. And I say, you don't want to do that. You don't want to get a GPS coordinates to promised land because it always, especially if you're coming from Little Rock area or you're coming from Mississippi area, it's going to send you down a gravel road. And if it's raining, have fun. And uh, But I tell you what, your GPS can lie to you because guess who designed that thing? A man did. <laughs> and uh, your phone can lie to you because a man invented that one. But they were stopping and asking for directions, which means this. They were guys, but they were they must have been humble. And by the way, they're asking the greatest directions you can ever ask is from the Lord. Asking his holy word. Lord, what which way do you want me to go now? What do you want me to do with the rest of my life? Matter of fact, in John six and sixty eight, we find out this. We find out that what you need is to say, To whom shall we go? 
Lord, you have the words to eternal life. There's no other place to go but to you and to know this, the purpose of the journey that they what was the whole purpose that they left to go approximately? Did you know they traveled about? I don't know the last time, but the, I've traveled 500 miles in a vehicle before and a lot further, obviously, and many of you have, too. But this was basically that. Imagine doing it on camelback. 500 miles, not in a car, not air conditioned, can't roll up the windows. You don't have anything like that, and they're doing it on a camelback. I mean, that's a bumpy ride, no matter how you look at it. But guess what their whole purpose to all that was? At the very end of verse 2, what does it say? It says, we are come to worship the King of Kings. Now, a lot of people... Come to church for different reasons. You can, I've seen people come to church just to uh, be with family and friends. But really the whole purpose to come to church is to worship Jesus. The background for this journey, real quick, is, uh, well, they had been planning a while. They just didn't hop up and say, you know what, let's head out. And I think, that, hey, did you see that bright star out yonder? I think that it might mean something. But, you know, the book of Micah said, hey, he was going to be born in Bethlehem. Matter of fact, in our text, it says in verse 3 through 6, when Herod the king had heard these things, because they're standing before Herod, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou Bethlehem, this is coming from Micah chapter 5 verse 2, but verse 6 says, And thou Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Folks, the journey of a lifetime begins when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's a lot of plans that you and I can make. But, folks, if you want to begin the journey of if guess what? If you don't know, try to make this as real and plain as possible. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, your journey ends when you draw your last breath. That's not good. Now, it doesn't mean that you cease to exist. The Bible says that we're going to live forever somewhere. We're going to live forever in heaven or we're going to live forever in hell. You say, well, then that my journey will continue on in hell. But the Bible calls that the second death. Now, I didn't make that up. I didn't come up with that title. I didn't come up with that phrase. The Word of God says... And death and this is in Revelation chapter 20. And death and hell were cast uh, into the lake of fire. Then all those who were not found written in the Lamb's book of life are cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. That's at the very end of Revelation chapter 20. That's what the Bible calls it. So the second death means it's over. Death really just means separation. But it's eternal separation from God. Jeremiah, God does have a plan for your life. One of my favorite scriptures in Jeremiah, speaking of making plans and having a journey. In Jeremiah chapter 29, 
We'll begin reading with verse 11. It says, For I know the thoughts. Now, if you have a New King James Bible, I think it says plans. And that's the same thing. I know the plans or the thoughts that I have, I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken or listen to you, and you shall seek me and find me when? When you search for me with all your heart. Um. Well, there's only one way to begin this journey of a lifetime. To start a preparation. Realize you're a sinner. Every one of us in this room are sinners. And you begin the journey when you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, into your life. If you've never done that, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to save you, would you please consider doing that before this day is over with and asking Him? Once you begin this journey, once you come to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's obstacles during the trip. And uh, in our text, we see the obstacles that they face in verse 7, 8, and also 12. It says, Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. This is having to do with obstacles. You say, well, what's going on? And it says, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Well, going down the past to verse 12, it says, after they had a celebration with Jesus... God warns them. He says in verse 12, And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And it says, if, of course, it's not in, I didn't put it in there, but if you, if you have your Bible open, verse 16 says that he killed all the kids. But that's the reason, the obstacles. That's the obstacles is that there was somebody looking, they were wanting to worship Jesus, and he was wanting to destroy Jesus. Many times we may have obstacles that come up in the road of life. Well, wouldn't you hate to run into something like that while driving down Promised Land Road? And uh, so you never know what obstacle the devil is going to throw at you in your life. I remember going to church one time, and uh, <clears throat> Karen and I were doing a vac- three vacation Bible schools in Romania in 1999. She stayed 17 days to help us do that. I stayed another 20 days in order to go into right beside, uh, there was a, uh, a country called Moldova, which won their independence from the USSR uh, in 1995. Inside of that country, right to the east of Romania is Moldova. Inside of there is called a little bitty place called, long name, Transnistria is right inside. It is a, a country inside a country. Went there. There was a church there started by a Romanian missionary. Said, you're going to preach. So we slept there, and I'm, and I'm laying in bed that night, thinking a Saturday night, thinking, whoa, man, I hope I make it out of here. That's going to be interesting tomorrow. First time I'd ever seen the business end of an AK-47. That means the barrel pointed at me. 
driving down the road. We're going to church. We go through six military checkpoints. The missionary, I'm beside him in the front seat. Brother Rob Bloom's in the back seat. And he's saying, uh, the missionary's driving. He says, Brother Michael, pray. Pray for us that we make it through. I said, what would you get me into, man? I mean, you do this every Sunday? And uh, so we did, and we made it through. One stop, you had to weave. You had to go in the right lane because there's a tank sitting right in front of you. You go around the tank, and then you go to the left, and there's another tank sitting there. That was on a bridge that we had to go through in order to get to church. I said, you do this every Sunday? And, you know, there's, that's ob- that was definitely some obstacles to get to church that morning. I'll never forget, of course, almost two years ago, last uh, February, two years ago, Karen and I are going to uh, Balut Island to do some Bible schools and help finish a building out there. And, and I'll never forget getting up that morning. We've been through the night and we was facing these storms. I mean, food and stuff is flying all over Nativa too. Rice is flying here. Rice is flying there. Pots and pans. It was rough storm seas that night. And then the, the ship's motor blew up. I found out they had used, we only had 20 gallons of extra oil for the boat that trip. They used 18 gallons trying to keep that motor going because it had blew that top seal on that turbo charger, and we were still two miles away from land, seeing any land. And so we're getting up, and here's Glenn. He's drinking coffee, of course, and I'm talking to him. And I said, well, we're going to make it. He said, I don't know, but we've got the... He said this, uh, this ocean sock or something like this, basically a parachute you throw out in the water to slow your drift. He said, because if that motor quits, the wind's going to take us straight toward Australia. I said, boy, this is going to be interesting. Okay. And I said, how much fresh water do we have on board and 14 people? You know, I'm praying. And fortunately, the motor never gave out and we limped into Blute Island. Of course, that's where he had to deal with the. Uh, owner of the passenger boat in order to get a tow back home the owner of the passenger boat was a muslim uh pirate who means he dealt in the black market anyway we ended up getting back to general santos and getting back to the philippines that was some obstacles you know there's obstacles today that uh today we make a trip and we've have got obstacles with this icy weather and i think about obstacles today no you know nobody Y'all remember back whenever we used to travel across Arkansas or to another state before there were cell phones? Huh? You remember that? Before there were, I mean, if you got stuck, if you had a flat tire, and, you know, a lot of people think it, the world will end if you travel without a cell phone. Well, let me give you a heads up. It doesn't. <laughs> It'll be okay. There's people out there who will help you. So worlds don't end if the cell phone battery dies, okay? It's been done before, but there's a lot of obstacles that we can face in life. Snow, ice, flat tires, stuck before cell phone sings we didn't see coming. We didn't uh, have plans. Listen, folks, Herod had a plan. I'm going to kill the king. I'm going to kill him. But, folks, it doesn't matter what obstacles. I don't care if you have a flat. I don't care if you have a Muslim pirate. I don't care if you have an AK-47 bearing down on you. Folks, no matter what plans the devil makes, God's got a better plan. 
He's got a better plan, and he'll get you through it. You say, I don't know how I'm going to make it in life. I've lost my job. I don't know how I'm going to make it in life. This has happened. I don't know how I'm going to make it in life. My car broke down, or whatever it may be. Folks, if if it's God's will for you to get somewhere, you'll get there. You'll get there. Or he'll have a plan to go with you through the storm. So God always has a better plan than the devil has. All right? And the devil had a plan, but it didn't prevent Jesus. The last point is what I call a dream realized. Verses 9 through 11. So they've been planning all this time. They've been working. Man, we get to finally, they're in Bethlehem. And we get to, because it's not very far from Bethlehem, from to Jerusalem, Bethlehem. So they were in Jerusalem. Now they're in Bethlehem. And I love the way the Word of God puts it. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star, which it probably, a lot of people wonder, did it just, did they see it all the time? I think, according to the Bible and studying, that it appeared to them when they needed it. It appeared. They didn't just see it and it was like a beacon. But they, it appeared to them when they need it, needed it. And it says, uh, Lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, and this is probably, some people say, was it days, weeks, or months? Well, we don't know the time period, but they're out of the manger. It says they went into the house. So they, they, a lot of people have the shepherds and the wise men at the manger at the same time. Well, here we know they're in a house. We know that. That's what the Bible says. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We don't know how many wise men they were. We just know there were three gifts. Well, folks, we need to camp out here a second. And uh, short, short uh, worship, I mean, song service, it gets me in the pulpit a little early. Don't worry, I'll let you go a little early. All right? But we need to camp out on this because I don't know what's right. If there's, there may be somebody in here, and I don't know what's robbing your joy, but it says in verse 10, these guys got all excited. Well, I, I watched some exciting, and I, and I love to get excited. I enjoy getting excited, and, and some of y'all know that. I love getting, I watch football, college football, well, there's some exciting football games on. I like getting excited, and uh, I like seeing uh, 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 Rob get excited and pumping the crowd up. I like that. I got getting excited at a, at a ball game. And folks, if we can get excited at those things, we should be able to get excited for the Lord. And, 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 I'm, and it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, you, don't, you can go crazy and, and, and yell and scream at a ball game, but you can at least smile and have joy in your heart. It says they got to, hey, 
There's a star again. Do you see it? That's awesome. He's right over there, and it's closer than I've ever seen it before. It looks like it's 200 yards up there. Giddy up. And there they went, and boom, they got to the star, and they pulled up at the house. I don't know what house it was. It was uh, probably 777 Holy Land Avenue. I don't know. And they pulled up to the house. Let's get off. Hey, you got the package? I got the package. They had packages. The Bible says they had packages. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they went in. What does the Bible say they did? They went in moping. No. They went in and worshipped Him. And folks, that's getting excited about. I mean, if you say, if you think something's good news, I mean, some people get excited about the birth of a child. Man, let me show you these pictures. Instead of whipping out our wallets today, what do we do? We whip out the cell phones and show the pictures of the newborn. There's nothing wrong with having joy. The Bible says they got excited. There's, um, things weren't good at that day. It was tough living. I don't know. I'm going to let you on a little secret. Things aren't so hot in the U.S. right now. And uh, we can't get excited about Jesus. What do we need to do? What do we need to confess? What do we need to change? Most of the time we, we've lost our joy because we're looking at people or problems. Well, get your eyes off people and off problems and look at Jesus. He's worth looking at. He's worth pursuing. He's worth worshiping. And He's worth getting excited about. I've, uh, I've, I've, one of these days, hopefully, Lord willing, I'd love to go see the Grand Canyon. There's several things I'd love to see. And I've seen oceans. I've seen mountains. I've climbed the highest mountain in, in Colorado. That was cool. Got to do that with Caleb and Taylor and Sean. And that was just really neat. Very strenuous hike. We got up there, and, but, you know, but it's short-lived. The excitement, I remember it is great. But then the, the excitement's over. But folks, I've never lost my excitement for Jesus. Sometimes I set it down or I get distracted, but the excitement is still there. If you're saved, it's always there. Sometimes you just got to pick it back up. It's just sitting right there. Do you set it down? What do you pick up? Most of the time we set down joy and we pick up problems. We set down worship and we pick up worry. It's sitting right there. Would you pick up your joy again? Allie was going around and, and she said, Dad, pull around there. We went to see the Jones light and he's got a big sign out there that says rejoice. And he said, she said, Dad, where's that verse at? Everybody thinks that I've got a concordance in here. <laughs> But it was, it's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, Philippians 4.4. 4. It's, it's okay to rejoice. It's okay to rejoice. Two things as we get ready. Brother Norman, or I think Jared's got it. And uh, as we get ready for a hymn invitation. This two things. First one, have the wise men found Jesus? And I want to ask you, have you ever found Him? Have you ever found Him?
And they found him. And folks, this, 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 this is true for lost people or saved people. You come to Jesus and you're going to make a decision. You find Jesus and you're going to make a decision. You're going to worship him and accept him as the king of kings. And you're going to leave a different direction than when you got there. And if you're lost, you can refuse him. You're still going to leave a different direction. It means you're going to leave different. It's going to be maybe a harder heart. They found him. The Bible says in that last verse, verse 12, they left a different direction. They left a different direction. Number one, have you found Jesus? Number two, where's your joy? Pick it back up. And say, what David say? Restore unto me the joy. Not, 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 don't restore my salvation. You can't lose your salvation, can you? But guess what? You can lose that joy. It's right there. Restoring to me the joy. You may be saved this morning, but you've set down your joy. Ask God to help you pick it back up.